0: Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold.
1: Hey hoopheads! we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. HOOPHEADS Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. We also have four other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Knock a Few Buck, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network too, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the, the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back in here with me today, Dan Gulinski, Mason Cole, both of them from King James Gospel. What's up, guys?
2: Not much.
0: <laughs> Not too much. Well, before we get into today's episode, we have a few things to talk about here, but we do just want to address the, uh, the Kevin Porter Jr. situation quickly. He sent out kind of a troubling message on Instagram a few nights ago, um, kind of led to his led to kind of some concern about his well-being. Um, kind of, I, I won't say exactly what the message said. I mean, you can go out and find it if you really want to, but kind of gives the, the vibe of some sort of suicidal thoughts. Um, a source said that we have talked to him and he's fine. He understands what a cryptic message or a cryptic, a cryptic post like that does on social media, and he will learn from it and be more aware in the future. Kobe Altman, JB Pickerstaff, Lindsey Gottlieb are among those who have reached out to Porter. Obviously, I'm sure there have been more, you know, teammates and other players around the league and just people who know him on Twitter, you know, have all reached out saying that if they need to talk to him, you know, they're they're all available. Porter did come out on Twitter afterwards, you know, and said that he was okay, but he has since taken down both his Twitter and Instagram accounts, at least the last time that I looked, they were both still down. So hoping for the best for for Porter and just hoping that, you know, he can get through whatever he's going through and that he gets the help that he needs to do so. But um, really, it's, I think he's in a good situation in in Cleveland just from, you know, the people that he has around him standpoint. Obviously, Kevin Love has kind of become, you know, one of the, has kind of become the forefront of, you know, somebody who encourages talking about something like this. And I think that, you know, having people like J.B. Bickerstaff and Lindsey Gottlieb are, you know, just good people who legitimately care about, you know, these players as, as real people and not just players. So, like, Bickerstaff in particular, I know he also has a good relationship with Gottlieb, I think. You know, he, he has the right people around him, and I'm sure he has other people in his personal life that are also there to, to help him through whatever he's going through. So, we wish the best to KPJ, and like I said, hopefully he gets the help that he needs. But, um... We'll get into some other some other rumors here. The Cavs are expected to, according to Sam Amico, monitor and perhaps make a run at, wait for it, Josh Jackson, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, and Pat Connaughton. Now, I know me and Dan have talked about Josh Jackson in the past, so we'll start by getting your thoughts, Mason, on how do you like Josh Jackson as a player? Um, how do you think his fit in Cleveland would be?
2: I like him. Um, You know, I, I think that he would be a good target for the Cavaliers because, you know, I think he'd be a good fit. Obviously, one of the things we've heard a lot about this offseason is the Cavaliers looking to possibly go get a wing. You know, people are talking about small forwards a lot with that, you know, fifth pick in the draft. Josh Jackson, you know, he could play three, four, you know, he could probably even he could pretty much fit almost anywhere throughout a lineup, whatever you would want to do with him. And, you know, of the guys mentioned, you know, Josh Jackson, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, Pat Connaughton, I would have to say Josh Jackson probably right now would have the highest ceiling, at least for what the Cavaliers are trying to do, because he's still so young. Obviously, he has a a pretty good frame to be a decent defender here. And overall, I would just say he is on a sort of similar path in terms of his age and progression as guys Like Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter, those type of guys. He's still young. He's a position of need. And, you know, with the names mentioned of those three guys, Josh Jackson is really the only one that I would be interested in bringing in as a potential bench piece. Or who knows, maybe a guy who could compete. For a starting spot in the Cavs lineup, since you know we're, we're still the Cavaliers, not necessarily the most talented team in the league, but Josh Jackson really is the only only name of those three that gets me excited whatsoever.
0: And I can understand having like having your eye on these three guys because they are playable wings, you know, especially when you're looking at a guy like NKG or Pat Connaughton. Okay, so say that the Cavs do draft a or Wiseman mm-hmm. in this draft, that leaves you with a hole at the wing. You know, you're not probably going to bring back Thompson at that point. You know, you have a little bit of spending money. Say you miss out on Derrick Jones Jr. if that's their number one target. You do have to look towards other options. So, you know, you know, these are guys that probably are very real possibilities and in the right situation. But I'm just, I'm not sure how this gets out as, you know, the big targets. Now, I'm not, this, is, this just seems like stuff that's usually just kind of like internal. Like, yeah, you know, these are our options. I'm not sure why it's coming out that, you know, they're, they're monitoring the situations of Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and Pat Connaughton. Dan, we'll get to you some some opening thoughts about Michael
3: Kidd-Gilchrist and how he would fit with the Cavaliers. Yeah, so for MKG, uh, still pretty young. Uh, I think he's twenty six, twenty seven. Um, we know what he brings defensively is is a high high end player there um, in in stretches, but not a guy that. I think for the Cavs at this point um, would bring a defensive presence. Yeah, but I, I'm not chilling out much for MKG and I, I don't really want given the roster construction, him really taking minutes, um, three man minutes for them. Um, just because you have a guy like Alfonso McKinney, who at least def- offensively, I mean, he's not really a shooter at this point, but can provide a little more pop there. Um, at least is a, frankly, a better finisher. Um, at least can create his own via straight line drives a little bit. Um, MKG is, is pretty limited offensively, to say the least, and would just hurt them spacing wise. And is not, I don't really know how much you want to play him at this point. Uh, just. Over other pieces' development, I, I don't really see that as, as being a feasible move. I, I don't really know why they would do that um, because he's not. I, I don't know if he you'd want him out there in enough minutes to really have an impact enough defensively where it would outweigh the offense. So, um, I he's he's a decent player for teams in the playoffs to have um, in the fold to kind of. A situational defender. He he is a good athlete. Um, can get some in transition a little bit, but I I'd really stay away from um, MKG at this point. And um, I'll yeah, that's a hard pass for me. I think that's again, this is really in a situation where
0: you you don't take a wing in the draft, and you're really just kind of looking for bottom of the barrel minimum guys that you know can can fill in spot minutes here and there. Um, yeah, Like he was a buyout pickup from the Mavs last season. He had really lost his role in Charlotte. Um, never really had a huge role with the Mavs either. Um, I, I'm not sure the Mavs will really prioritize bringing him back. Maybe they do just to, again, maintain some defensive versatility. He is a 27% career three-point shooter, and that's been well known throughout his career. That That's, that's just not something you're going to get from him. I don't think it would take more than a vet minimum to sign him whether he really wants to come to Cleveland is another thing. Um, again, that depends on if the Mavericks want to bring him back or if other pieces are really interested in him, other teams are really interested in him. But we'll move on then to a, another 27-year-old kind of forward wing type, Pat Connaughton of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I, a playable wing who brings shooting in theory. Uh, He's a 34% three-point shooter for his career, a really good athlete, bouncy guy, uh, another dunk contest guy, and he's a solid rebounder. Uh, Mason, what do you think of Pat Connaughton?
2: Uh, You know, (laughs) just me personally, I don't know where he would necessarily fit in the overall sort of rotations for this team because, you know, he's another one of those kind of You know, you could play him shooting guard, wing, whatever, but it's just, it doesn't really seem to me like an addition that would help the Cavaliers too much. I mean, as you said, obviously he'd bring decent shooting in theory, a solid defender, but, you know, is he going to be, and this is kind of what Dan uh, alluded to with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, is he going to be stealing minutes from guys like Kevin Porter Jr. or, you know, coming off the bench or whoever the rookie is that you end up drafting, if that happens to be a wing, he he's just another guy that I don't really think improves you enough to make it worth it for him to be on the bench stealing minutes from younger guys who could actually be, you know, part of the core of your team. That that's kind of just where I'm at with pretty much all. I guess two of these three rumored players, you know, Michael K. Gilchrist, Pat Connaughton, they don't really they don't really excite me. It doesn't seem like. They they don't seem like guys who are really going to bring a, a a great sort of benefit to this team. Josh Jackson, obviously, he still could develop into something great, not great, but he could develop into something solid for you off the bench. But Pat Connaughton and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, they just they neither of them really excite me that much in terms of having them on this team.
0: Yeah, they kind of they are what they are at this point. There's not really a whole lot of growth there. Again, they're both twenty-seven. Dan, what do you think the market will be like for Pat Connaughton this offseason? Obviously, you'd think that the Bucks would have some interest in bringing him back, but what do you? What dollar amount do you think he would be going after this offseason?
3: Even, uh, I don't know. I to me, I think he might be like a maybe like a two year, ten mil guy that type. Um, I, I don't really see. I, I think his uh, he is a very good athlete, um, good cutter. He's a decent shooter. He can, so he can get a little bit off movement too. Um, heavy player, good IQ. Uh, but and I, I don't know. But it's it's hard to say. Especially like given that he was on a team that was uh, so good offensively. It's in it, with the amount of kind of wide open stuff he got on the box. It's it's hard, hard to say see how other teams really would view him and to me that's kind of a type that you maybe make it two years 10 mil and he might front load it a little bit um, and from there I, I don't know maybe he would, there would be an option year after that but I, I don't really see a whole lot especially because of um, how the I guess pandemic could impact stuff. I had kind of the same range as
0: you. I had him as kind of a, a four to five million dollar year player, maybe with more on a one year deal if that were the route they decided to go. But like I said, I don't expect either of these signings that the Cavs draft a wing. That'll just be too many wings, frankly, with a rookie and Windler and KPJ and Osman and McKinney. I really do feel like this is more of a situation where they're, I don't think they're going to be looking for a wing in free agency if they draft one. If they draft a big, then this becomes a very more a much more real situation. But I also there are still rumors out there that the Cavs are still pursuing or interested in at least at Derek Jones Jr. So I think we've had debates about this in the past, but hope I I personally hope that that would be their, their number one target. But again, in the situation where they're looking for a wing in free agency and they they miss out on Derek Jones and even if they miss out on Josh Jackson, I think just to fill the roster spot and just play some minutes on the wing. I think they're both fine. I mean, they're nothing to get excited about, but it's obviously a very real possibility. So we'll move on here to a little bit of draft talk. One player in particular, one prospect. What on earth has happened to Devin Vassell's jumper? Um, he kind of tweaked it for the worse. And he's always somebody who's had a long kind of high release but now it just has a huge hitch at the top. If you haven't seen it on Twitter, it's been around for a while. You can probably find it pretty easily. But it's almost like he's catapulting the ball. Um, Dan, how do you think this affects his his draft stock? And is he even a consideration at five if this is the way he's going to be shooting?
3: Yeah, that, that looks ugly, to say the least. Um, I, I don't really understand what it was because this past year – uh, he, he showed real honestly real progression as a pull-up shooter specifically um, in that mid range to long mid range area. and that that really was why I was like pretty high on him mainly just because um, his, with his wingspan it also uh, it, a lot it also plays into him as a shooter too um, at least before. Um, didn't really show much off movement this year, but, um, I, I think in time he, he could have had that. But this, I, I don't know what in the hell was going on there. I don't know what his agent told him to do or whoever, um, his training staff, whatever. But that, that's just for the Cavs' sake, it's, it's hard to unsee that shot. Um, and to me, I, I still would probably rather them go with before, even would have rather them gone with Okoro or Avdia anyway. Just, I think they have higher ceilings and might, like, and kind of impact the game potentially in other areas more. Um, I, I still like the and, um, it, he's reportedly in kind of consideration for the Cavs still, but, um, I, it, that's, that's a drastic change. And it, I guess if the Cavs did take him still, um, you kind of hope that the they could rework that shot and maybe get rid of that hitch. And because that, that thing is it was like a straight line drive, I don't know what in the hell the deal was there. It seemed completely necessary. His and he's worked and worked and worked to become a, a very capable shooter. So I, I don't know what the deal was there, but um, I guess it was not broken, but now it's it is so. I'll pass
0: there, Mish. What was your initial reactions to seeing that? Well, you know, at first, at first, I thought,
2: uh, I thought, maybe, you know, maybe it was him, maybe it was him messing around, you know, after a workout or whatever, just you know, goofing off or whatever. But you know, I, I don't understand why, why you would just post that <laughs> with no context. And who I don't know who obviously don't know who who was recording it from the sideline, but anybody who's ever watched basketball in their lives would be able to look at that and say, "Hey, for a guy who's you know possibly trending to be a top ten pick, maybe we shouldn't post this because it looks pretty pretty bad." Yeah, his his jumper looked really bad. The hitch was terrible. Still made the shots though in that video. The two three pointers he still hit them. Which I guess is a testament to how good of a shooter he was even before he had that crazy hitch. But, you know, as Dan said, at the fifth pick, I don't think I would have taken Vassell anyway. You know, there's gonna be a couple capable wings there. But, you know, the jump shot looks bad. I would still be interested in him as a potential trade-down candidate because obviously he's still got the length. He still is a pretty solid defender, at least he was, um, in college, and ideally maybe you could get his jump shot a little bit worked on if you were to draft him. But yeah, that Twitter video was pretty bad.
0: And there is, the possibility that maybe he was just messing around, but I don't think you would post that video with seriousness if that were the case. And I'm sure we're not, the, we're obviously not the first people that have talked about this. And I'm <laughs> sure there have been plenty of people talking to him about, you know, what on earth happened with that jumper. And I'm sure that there's people trying to work with him every day about it right now. But yeah, I I just I don't know I don't understand what has happened since you know the college season has ended. I don't know what he's been doing over this highest period, to where he's bringing the ball behind his head before he shoots it. And I think it was Sam Vecini noted on Twitter that you know if anything he was somebody who kind of needed to quicken his release, and it's only gotten more Sorry. stretched out with this. It's just it's all the way back, and like I said, it's, it looks like a catapult. So yeah, I don't think he was ever really somebody that I too badly wanted at number five. Anyway, if, if the Cavaliers trade back to mid lottery or late lottery, then maybe you consider taking him. But if, if if Devin Vassell doesn't have a jump shot, I know he's still going to be a solid defender, but I don't know what his value is in the NBA. Again, there's still plenty of time and that's, this is under the assumption that that jumper doesn't get fixed. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think that there's a very real chance that he gets it worked on. But we saw how bad Markel Fultz looked with his jumper and, and workouts and pre-draft stuff. Hopefully this isn't another case where... I mean, he also doesn't look like he has shoulder issues in that shot. It just looks like he just decided to... That was, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand how that happened, how it came about, why it came about. But... We'll move on to some very, very, very early power rankings for next season. The first couple editions are out. Both ESPN and The Athletic have the Cavs at 29. ESPN has the Knicks behind the Cavaliers. The Athletic has Detroit behind the Cavaliers. But Cavaliers at 29th in both. Mason, we'll go back to you again. If you were making your own power rankings, where would you have the Cavs? What teams would you have them ahead of?
2: I mean... I, me personally I would have to say probably I would agree with that around 29 you know around bottom of the league and it, it, it makes sense because you know the Cavaliers weren't that great last year and things at times looked pretty bleak with the whole beeline situation and Darius garland not necessarily being as good as people were hoping for him to be. I think 29 probably made a good bit of sense I mean I know that one of those two had him above the Knicks which isn't it's not really too hard to be above the Knicks but you know at this moment and at the start of this next season with the lack of real sort of game-changing players in this draft you know like there's not there's not going to be a Zion there's not going to be a LeBron or anything at least not to our knowledge at this point and the fact that the Cavs are picking fifth, I don't think there's really much you can do in this offseason that would make you better than that. I mean, hopefully, in an ideal world, this next season will be a year where we see, you know, great progressions from guys like Darius Garland, Kevin Porter. Hopefully Dylan Windler is able to fill in well. Hopefully, Colin Sexton is able to continue to prove to, to improve, and maybe you move up into the lower twenties. Not Complete bottom of the league, but at this point in time, I would have to say twenty nine probably is a fair ranking for the Cavaliers. As sad as as
0: sad as that may be, before I get into my my take here, I want to
3: hear yours, Dan, too. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I I I mean, nationally, that's about what I would have expected. It seems like nobody really uh, nationally is that really buy into. The possibilities with Sexton Garland, and it, it, it just seems as though they're kind of discounting how Colin Sexton seemingly, I guess, improved and grew, and um, I, I I can understand that in a way. Um, the advanced metrics for the Cavs were really bad last year um, defensively, as we all know. Um, and the Drummond Love thing, we'll have to see if how that can shake out if it does relate to any volume, but um, I, I still think it would. Um, but to me, I think it's probably fair to have the next got to be a three. Um, their shooting is just abysmal. Um, the whole power forward, heavy stuff. I mean, they'll beat some teams here and there that probably were hung over or something from being there. Um, there's not a whole lot with the Knicks that they're they're pretty bleak looking forward. Um, even if they get a guy like Killing Hayes, they got a long ways to go. So they're firmly at thirty to me. Um, but yeah, I guess the Cavs 29 seems pretty fair. Um, we just don't know. They were trending upward. I, I guess 28 is probably feasible to me. Um, i I think for me, I think looking at next season, they probably have a uh, better outlook than. The Hornets going in, I just think they're, they have some pieces going for them. I think Baker staff will make them look competent to an extent. And yeah, I think 28 is fair for me. I was going to go
0: with either 28 or 27. I think the Cavaliers should be ahead of both. Okay, the Cavaliers should definitely be ahead of the Knicks. I don't know. I'm, I'm with agreeance. I'm in agreement with you there, Dan. I don't see how the Knicks are anywhere but last. I guess the only real... Argument you can make is just well. I don't even. I don't even. Uh, R.J. Barrett, you know, maybe <laughs> R.J. and Mitchell are there, you know, but outside of that, they have nothing. Julius Randle is still there. And I don't even know if he's going to really be a positive value at this point. He's being misused. Yeah. Well, I mean, he just he's, he's just Julius <laughs> Randle you know. I mean, I don't I don't know if there's a right way to use him. I'm not sure of that yet. But <sighs> I, I think the Knicks should be last. I think. If I were doing this, I would have Detroit at 29. Detroit is mm-hmm. kind of in an interesting position where they have a clean slate to where they'll probably re-sign Christian Wood. You know They have Kennard, Brown, Domboya, um, Savi McCulloch. But other than that, they just are completely blank right now. And that's not a terrible thing because they have Capron this offseason to potentially make some moves and a high draft pick. But looking at the Cavs having the, the highest draft pick of, of those three, I think they should be ahead of both of them. Again, the Athletic had the had had the Knicks behind the, or had, no, the, the Athletic had Detroit behind. ESPN had the Knicks behind, so I don't think it's a hot take to put them ahead of both of them. The case for moving the the Cavs ahead of Charlotte, um, obviously the Charlotte has the higher pick, which even in a weaker mm-hmm. draft does <clears throat> mean something. And looking at just the rosters, I think the Cavaliers. With with Love and Drummond, I think that gives them a lot of a you know a boost as far as just being something of a of a talented team among these these bottom feeders. And obviously, Love Garland or not Love Garland, but Garland Sexton, you can you can compare those to some of the, the young pieces that the, that Charlotte has on their roster. So I th- I don't think it's too bad to have them behind Charlotte as of right now. Um, Minnesota, Chicago, Atlanta, Orlando. I don't think that the Cavs can get into that conversation yet. And, of course, it's really still way too early to really know. The draft hasn't even happened yet. Free agency has yet to start. So, still a long way to go there before we we get to the season and see where teams are really at. So, we'll, we'll wrap it up today with a little bit of news regarding former Cavs coach Tyron Lue. Signing a five-year deal to be the head coach of the Clippers, that deal will be worth around thirty-five million total. He got that seven million-dollar year range that he wanted. Um, Chauncey Billups is going to be hired on as the head assistant. Mason will Tyron Lue be the coach that finally leads the Clippers to the conference finals?
2: You know, I think he will be. I think it's a good. I think it's a good fit. Um, you know, obviously, he's got he's had ties there as long as uh, Doc Rivers has been there. But, you know, I think that with Tyron Lu coming in, there are comparisons to be made from when Tyron Lue took over for David Blatt back in, you know, I think it was early 2016 that Blatt was fired. You know, he's got superstars that clearly... Doc Rivers was not fully able to reach in guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Obviously, there's been some, I guess, I don't know if dysfunction is the best word, but there have been issues. Obviously, they blew a 3-1 lead to Denver in the playoffs. And you need a guy, you need a head coach, and you need a coaching staff that's going to be able to get to those players, communicate with those players. Tyron Lue showed that he could do it with LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin, and his time with Cleveland. But you're also bringing in Larry Drew, who you know has head coaching experience as well as you know former player experience in the NBA, and Chauncey Billups, who obviously is going to garner at least some sort of respect because he was you know a multiple time All Star NBA champion with Detroit. I think that Tyron Lue is a good coach. I think he's a good coach for the Clippers, and I think that the staff that they have built. Is a contending type of staff. Like I think they've got a good thing put together, and it's just gonna be sort of a case of the players buying into the coaches and the players buying into the roster that they have assembled. But I would say Tyron Lou was a good and smart decision. Good good hire by the
0: Clippers. I'm pretty much in complete agreement with you there, Mason. Dan, is Tyron Lu gonna be the coach that leads the Clippers to the conference finals?
3: Uh, I like Lou as the hire. It it seemed like a pretty clear move for them um, just because he was on that staff and that kind of lead assistant role um, this year. But uh, to me, anything about the Clippers, you can't say anything assuredly at this point, uh, especially because Golden State will really be back next year. And I I would have to say the Lakers for now – um, are probably higher on the totem pole than me just because I, I, I have to see it with the Clippers. I have to see Kawhi Leonard actually buy in. Um, and, and I just think for them, I think with what Lou needs to try to do is, which maybe he can, maybe he can't, is try to... I mean, this is the first... This past season seemed to be the first year that Kawhi had to play basketball and actually lead. And I think Lou... Um, kind of how he held LeBron accountable and kind of got him to that apex level again. Um, I, I think that's a good guy to kind of tap into that with Leonard and, and a, I, think Chauncey is a good, um, influence in that way to get that out of him too, because he's got to understand that this is his team. He's got to bring those guys forward and elevate them. And he's never had to do that in his career. And this year it was clearly a failure. He couldn't do it. I don't know exactly what the circumstances were. I, but um, Kawhi Leonard is not a guy that is too vocal, and I think he really needs to become that kind of presence for them. Because we know Paul George is not a an A-star. Like, that's well-documented. He's, he folds in the playoffs. He chokes. I mean, I'm going to be honest. That's just how it is. And they need Kawhi to be that guy, and he clearly hasn't been in his career throughout this point. He was in a great organization with Toronto. Frankly, I thought he should have stayed there. That's and could have been in the East for the foreseeable future. That's on him, but he didn't want to go there. Um. So yeah, I think for for that hire, I think it's it was a clear move just because we've seen it how it works in the past with Toronto. Um, I think for them, it's kind of a championship year again this next year. Um, we know the 2021 stuff um, for the following off season, and I just think for them, it's you might as well go with Lou as a player's coach. He's been in the trenches before, and it's I think for that situation, it's it was a clear move. All
0: right. Well, with that, we'll get out of here. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed. Subscribe, uh, leave a nice rating, leave a review. Thank you so much, Dan and Mason, for coming on. Hopefully the Browns can secure a victory today. And um, with that, we will see you guys later. Bye.
1: If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod, but aren't sure where to start, the team at my podcast manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started.
0: Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.